Wherever you are in the world, thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Badminton Podcast, a community for badminton players by badminton players proudly brought to you by Valan. We talk all things badminton and aim to inspire you to be better in your game and in life by celebrating the people and stories of our global badminton community, whether they be past or present professional players, social players, officials or fans. We're your hosts, Jeff and Henry, and we love badminton. From the bottom of our hearts, we'd just like to say thank you to everyone who has listened to, shared and been part of the podcast. It wouldn't be possible without you all. If you do enjoy our episodes and can spare just a couple of dollars each month, you can really help keep the podcast going by supporting us on Patreon. Just visit www.patreon.com slash Podcast. We'll leave the link in the description. As people who love badminton, we all know that it's not just about the sport itself. It's about the connections you make and the things that it teaches you as a person that you're able to bring to all of the other parts of your life. That's why we want to introduce you to the book Mirror of Magico, written by Al Liao, a former Taiwanese national badminton player who is as passionate about badminton as us. For those who love Harry Potter, you want to give this one a read because Al has authored a fantasy story where three different characters with varying personalities go on a journey of adventure and learning. And they realize that things don't just happen to you, they happen because of you. And by being yourself and spending time in your dreams, you can conquer the evils and be the best version of yourself. So make sure you check it out. Mirror of Magico, written by Ao Liao. You can find it in all leading bookstores and we'll leave the link in the podcast description. So today we are going to the land of one of our most favorite foods, pizza. And we're here to introduce Fabio Caponio. Hopefully I haven't butchered his name. But Fabio Caponio, a 22-year-old national Italian badminton player. He's the number one in Italy and is in an Italian federation project called Progetto Giovanni 2020-2024, in which its purpose is to prepare athletes for the Olympics. And he has won all of the Italian under championships, so junior championships, as well as the Italian championship. He is currently ranked in men's singles of 154 and has been as high as 141 in the world. Now, in the past, he was number 14 in the world for his world junior ranking as well. Now, we're excited to hear about his story and the sacrifices that he has had to make in his journey so far, including leaving home at just 12 years of age to train at the National Center in Milan, which is a thousand kilometers from his family. Wow, that's commitment do sacrifice first of all because if you don't do sacrifice for what you love or what you want you cannot reach your goal and enjoy what you do so playing badminton doing training every day enjoying and be fun about what you do and then be humble of course you have to be humble every day and don't think 
oh, I'm the best in Italy or I'm the best in under 13 or under 15 or here when I won against him. So one thing that for me is really important to be humble and be a good guy every time. So welcome onto the podcast, Fabio. Thank you so much, everybody. We're really excited to have you on. And first of all, we want to give a shout out to both Mads Christofferson and Julian Karagi because they both recommended that you'd be a great person to talk to on the podcast. So let's get into it. First question, does pineapple belong on pizza? <laughs> this is a funny question, but I don't think so. In Italy, we don't have this kind of pizza because we don't put fruit on it. But I know that in America, on some part of the world, they eat with the pineapple. But in Italy, we don't have this one. And we have the normal one. Have you tried it with pineapple before? Never. I, I never tried. Oh, you never tried? Never. Never. Because I don't want... Because if you are Italian, you cannot take this pizza. Maybe only if you bet <laughs> something with someone, with, if your friends, then you can get this pizza, but no, I never take it. Okay. And another question about Italian food, because I love pizza, but what is the most non-Italian Italian food? So for example, you said that pineapple on a pizza is not very Italian, but is there a certain food that the rest of the world says is Italian, but it isn't actually Italian? For example, for Chinese food, a lot of people eat sweet and sour pork. But actually, that's not really what real Chinese food is. It's something that the rest of the world has kind of made up. So is there another kind of food that we, maybe as Australians or Americans or something, we call Italian, but it's not actually Italian? Mm, maybe, I don't know if you know Fettuccini Linguini. This one is the famous name that I know when I, I go out and they put every time in the, the shrimp, right? In the menu but this one is not an italian plate we don't do with this kind of cream you know we do with fish but not with this cream so it's not like italian yes pasta is italian but then the cream is not very italian so you're referring to like a carbonara the like the white creamy sauce like is, is that what you're referring to no the carbonara yes yes is with the cream but the fettuccine linguini is a little bit different. It's not Italian. We don't have this in Italy. But when I go in, I don't know, somewhere in Australia, America or somewhere, and I, I saw the menu and I Italian plate, and this is fettuccine linguine, that is not Italian. <laughs> All right. Okay. So the actual pasta itself, is that what you mean? Like the actual... But the pasta, maybe the cream is different. Oh, okay. Yep. So it's it's not authentic is probably... Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. That's really interesting because when you said fettuccine and linguine, um, I'm thinking of, oh, those are some really... The fettuccine and linguine pastas that I've had are, are, are very delicious. The pasta is Italian. Yes, of course. The pasta is Italian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right. So moving away from food, this is the badminton podcast. So let's change gears a little bit and talk a bit about badminton. So Fabio, you're an Italian badminton player. Italy, not really a country that comes to mind when I think of badminton. When I think of Italy, I think of soccer or, or football. And so I guess the first question is, how did you even get started or get to know badminton? Okay. 
was a little bit tricky because I started badminton at six, seven years old. When one day I was with my, I don't remember if my grandmother or grandfather, that we went to take my cousin from playing badminton at the time. And I didn't play any sport. So maybe I don't know, tennis or football, basketball. And I see this different sport because it was really new for me because it's different and with one racket, one shuttle that you cannot see every day, maybe in, in television or somewhere. And for me, was I was really excited to see this sport. So when I was there, I immediately tried to catch the shuttle with the racket. And after when I, I went home, I asked my father to play and to start this new sport. So from there, I started playing badminton in a small city of Italy, in the south of Italy, in Puglia. So were there many badminton players at the club? Was it like a badminton club that was only badminton or was it like yes. where you play basketball, you play everything in the same stadium? Yes, yes, yes. was one all with different sports that they play basketball, then badminton, then football. And uh, yes, I start badminton because at that time I see that sport and I didn't play any other sport. And uh, yes, this one. So you're six or seven years old, you're just starting to play. And then as we talked about when we introduced you, at 12 years old, you already decided to move a thousand kilometers from your family. So what happened within that kind of that five-year period that made you really build your love for badminton? Yes. I don't know, because from the first time that I played with this racket that was different for me, I really loved and... I really enjoy every time that I was on court. So during this period, I had one Chinese girl that was my coach and the name is Ding Kui. She was really good in China also and also the number one in Italy. And they helped me to grow, to grow in this period from seven to 12. So at the age of 10 years old, some scout of the um, federation one is Kenneth Larsen, that was head coach of Italian team. He's from Denmark. And one is Fabio Morino, that is from Italy. They came to Puglia in Bari, and they saw me that I was a talent for them. So they decided to ask me after two years to come in Milan and uh, live there to grow more quicker and become a, a good player. So from 10 to 12, I went to Milano and in the National Center and then in Trentino Alto Adige, that is in the north of Italy, in the mountain, to do some camp with the, the national team, with the other guys. Because all the players at that time from the national team were in the, in the north. And in Italy, I was only home. So from 10 to 12, I went there some days. And then at the age of 12, I decided to move in Milan. That's awesome, Fabio. Just so we're clear on the level of competition or the amount of competition that you had in that sort of age group, just so our listeners kind of get an idea of how popular badminton is in Italy. How many people were you competing with for that sort of under 12 category? You mean at that time or now? At that time. Okay. Yes. I was not the best player at the time at my age. I even lost with the girl. <laughs> with the national team. But then I grow quicker because in the south of Italy, we don't have... I mean, in Italy, it's not 
popular, as you say, the badminton, because we have football, we have basketball, volleyball, this kind of sport. And um, in the south of Italy is even worse the badminton than the north. So I was a little bit with the technical skills, a little bit down with the other, and I have to cover this gap to catch them and then beat and be the number one in Italy. So at that time, the competition in Italy was not so good at that age. So I had to move to Milan to grow quicker with them. So with this guy from the north and so this one. Yeah. When you said the name Kenneth Larson, that reminds me because I did some sessions with him in Denmark. And of course, when I was playing and I played against Klaus Rafaina, he was coaching against me. And then my coach was also Danish, who was very good friends with Kenneth Larson as well. So that brings memories about Kenneth Larson. I haven't heard his name for quite a long time. And yeah. saying that I think we should try to get him on the podcast because he's, he's a very smart guy as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, also Kenneth Larson is quite famous in, in Denmark. He is a really good coach and he is in Odense, that is a famous club in Denmark. So he was the head coach at that time in Italy. Then we changed many. Yes, now. So now you're 12 years old, you're 1,000 kilometers away from your family and you've moved to the north of Italy to train. So what happened from there? Like, did you change school? Were you boarding in the club or in the school? Or how did your school and your life, how was that when you were so young? Yeah, when I moved, I lived the first year with my head coach that was Xab Hamza at the time. And um, I lived with, with him uh, one year and I train every day and do the normal life like a young, young guy. So I went to school in the morning every day, a public school, so a normal school. And then in the afternoon, I had train every day and sometimes also in the morning to maybe not spend too much time. So I woke up really early and maybe at 5.30, then I do some training and then school and then like they do in Denmark every day like this. So then school and then training again. And yes, until my last two years of school, I did the normal life, so with public school. And then the federation asked me to, to go in a private school so I can have more training and go to more tournaments and don't spend some days in, in school. So my last two years was in a private school. So yeah, that's it. So from the sounds of it, Fabio, the public school is sort of just the normal kind of school with everybody else. You do all sorts of sports. It's not very specialized in terms of just badminton at that particular school. So in terms of the private school, was that sort of specialized for badminton players or it's just that because it's a private school, then they're more understanding of your life outside of school and in badminton? Yes, exactly. It's a school where they understand what I do. I mean, that have to go in a tournament and I cannot be in the school. I cannot study every day like a normal school. And yes, it's a special school where they know that you are an athlete and you have many things to do to be a champion or something like that. So they understand and they help you to a good results in the sport and also in the school. It's like this. So now you're, you're at school, but I just want to go back to that 12-year-old decision again one more time because it's, yeah. it's, it's, quite, it's a big decision to make. Do you remember the discussion or the talk that you had with your parents about doing it? Yeah. And do you remember the reason why you decided? Yeah, was there? I know that the Olympics is the goal and yeah. the Olympics is the dream, but 
was there someone you watched at the Olympics or something that gave you that drive to make that decision? Yeah, for me, it was really hard to um, took that decision because leave my family when I was really, really young was really difficult. And I remember crying almost every day because of my insecurity about the decision I made because leaving leave my mother here and also my father and also my brother and go there with, I mean, nobody, no friends, exactly change everything. And 1000 kilometers away from home that I have to take um, when, when I wanted to see my family a plane was really hard, but I really love this sport and uh, I really enjoy every time on it. And I really want it and I want to become someone uh, also the Olympics and be the best one in Italy and then in the world and then everywhere. So yes, today I, I can be happy to have made it and I would never go back to this decision. So it was difficult to take, but my parents pushed me to go and they said, try this new challenge because then in the future you can be happy about it. And so this one was really hard at the beginning, but then was was better. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a big decision, a very mature yeah. decision for a 12-year-old, definitely. Yeah, exactly. I could grow more quicker than my my friends, because if you leave home at 12 years old, then you know the real life, how to do the things alone with nobody, with no parents. So yeah, it's different. Hundred percent, absolutely right. Now, when you said that your parents were encouraging you, do you remember them saying anything in particular, or maybe when you were upset and you were you already made the choice and you would call back home and you're maybe crying or you're sad that you're not at home with your parents? Were there any words of wisdom that they always reminded you of? The only things that I remember is that when I I cried with them at the phone, or uh, I was sometimes I said, oh. I want to stop, I want to go home. They said, you have to push, you have to stay strong because you know that if you want, you have home down in Puglia that you can come again and stop. So you have two possibilities. So if you be strong, you can maybe reach some results and something in your life. But if you are sad or something, you can every time come at home and stay here with us. So they told me like this. Yeah, it's almost as if they're saying, look, Fabio, your home will always be there. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. if you continue to persevere, you could achieve some really incredible goals like you have set for yourself, the Olympics. So yeah, I think at that 12-year-old age, to be so determined about a sport, and as, as Jeff said earlier, so mature in your decision, it's quite impressive to hear that you could be, you know, have so much conviction about the sport of badminton, which you love, obviously. Now, you are exposed to not just badminton. Remember, I guess for those listening, remember this is Italy and badminton isn't the only sport that's there. You're constantly exposed to other sports as well. And you said that you love badminton. So what is it about badminton when you were exposed to all these other ones, all these other sports that are so popular, especially socially, what was it about badminton that you did love or that you do still love today? Yeah, because badminton is different. It's one sport that you don't see every day and not many people do, like football. Because if you ask someone, what sport did you do and do you do? And they say football, basketball. So normal sport that everybody know in the life. When you say 
I play badminton, they say, oh, wow, what is badminton? Someone maybe in Italy, they say, oh, wow, what is badminton? Tell me. So they are more interested in what is it and what you do in your normal life to this sport and this kind. So, yes, because it's different from the other sport. It is very, very different, isn't it? So that's great that you're proud to play the, the, the amazing sport that we're involved with. So let's go back to when you finished school. So what age were you when you finished in the private school? And then what has the last, I'd say, maybe four years or so, what have you been doing for the last four years since finishing in the private school? Okay. I finished school at the age of 18, 19, like this. So then during this period, I tried the Olympic qualification with uh, Rosario Maddaloni. I don't know if you know him. He was the number one in Italy before me. And, um, but then he decided to stop after one year of the Olympic qualification because of COVID and he was 32 years old. So he was a little bit older than me. And, uh, I tried the Olympic qualification and this one is really good for me because I can know a lot of from badminton. I can grow quicker. We do every week one tournament because I can see matches. I can see how best player can resolve some problem on court or out the court like this. And so I can take someone in my bag and then grow quicker during training. And one important thing of this Olympic qualification was also that I met a lot of player. And now I have a lot of player in the world. And this is the, for me, is the best things that you can have in the sport to meet a different player. I mean, I met other guy from Switzerland, from France. Then maybe one day, if you have problem in Italy, then you can call one of these friends and, and say, hey, Mats, I have problem here. Can I come there and train with you? Stay there in your house or maybe... so." You have friends all over the world and this is really nice. It's really nice because you have someone to talk, to to discuss about badminton or maybe life. I remember when I was in Denmark in one club in October to um, do some training, I text Mats and I say, hey Mats, why we don't do one dinner together? And he said, yes, of course, come in my house and we cook the burger and we stay together, talk and joking. Also the night before the training and so was really nice. And this is what I love from the sport and especially from badminton because I play badminton. So that's it. Yeah, that's really great because I know exactly how you feel, especially from say for yourself, someone from Italy or say for myself, someone from Australia who we don't have a big team that travels with us, right? So we do have to talk to players from other countries and get help from them and then you do create these relationships where you're in a, you're in one country in the world and you have someone to call, whether it's for training, whether you stay at their house, that's happened so many times. And I think that that's really strong in the badminton community that everyone wants to help each other. Now, just a quick word from our sponsors. The Badminton Podcast is brought to you by Volant. Volante was first born out of our frustration with the confusing, bright and unsightly clothes and equipment that we saw in the badminton world. But now it's so much more than that. Our mission is to accelerate the growth of badminton by providing players with products that enhance their love for the sport. 
All in all, it's high quality gear that makes you look and feel great on and off the court. So make sure you check us out at volantbadminton.com and follow us on our socials at Volant Badminton. Yeah, yeah. Also, when I, I played many tournaments alone and I was there maybe before the tournament and yeah, I was alone in the hall and uh, I saw maybe one friend that we played the, the tournament maybe in Brazil together and I said, hey, maybe we can have some touch together like this. And then, so this is really nice. Speaking of international travel, I guess meeting different people, Fabio, when the world yeah. returns to a more kind of normal what are your plans for traveling and, and improving your skills? Like, do you intend to move somewhere else to continue developing, or is your plans to continue staying in Italy? Yeah. Okay. Now, from January, we changed the head coach. Now in Italy, we have Zuju Link. He was the main coach in France with the national team, and uh, before him, Arturo Ruiz was in Italy. Now he's the head coach of Spain. So now we had this. Chinese coach that can help us with this experience and is training like Asian. And for us, it's really good because it's really hard for our body to push every time to the limit. So for now, I will stay in Italy because we had this change, this head coach, and its training is really good. So maybe I can have more results as soon as possible. He was the head coach of Brice Leverde. So how badminton is it high level so maybe it can give us some good advice to grow quicker and uh, get some results and also he wanted to that we have to play more in europe where we have more stronger player because sometimes you know like this small country like italy that's um, i don't know belgium or switzerland we go maybe to get some point in Africa or uh, we go in uh, South America. Also, yeah, sometimes America to get easy point. That is not easy, of course. Uh, but this coach wants that we have to play more in Europe and Asia to, to play with a hard player so we can grow faster. So I will stay in Italy. Yes, this is my answer <laughs> for now. Yeah, that sounds like you've got a good setup there, especially with the new coach. So how many people, Fabio, are in the Italian national team? Okay, we have around 15, 17 players, everybody really young. So we have 22, 23, 17, 15, 18. So this range of age. So yes, we are 15, 17 that we live there in the national team center in Milan. But everybody, we are from this different city in Italy. Someone in the north, someone near to Milan, me from Puglia, someone from Sicily, more south of Italy. So yes, we live there and we have a federal house. I don't know if, if it's correct. So the federation have two houses and we live, yeah, we live there all together. So we can spend also the time together. We can cook together. We can do something together the night. I mean. And uh, yes, we have training every day. And also the player have school, the normal life, especially the young. They have 17. They have to finish the school. So they, they go to school in the morning and they have training in the afternoon. 
And me, that I do university, I do all the day badminton, of course, and then I study when I have time during the night or when I have, yes, a small, small time. I will ask you about what you're studying at university, but before I go to that, were you saying that anyone in Italy who wants to be in the national program, they all have to move to the center? Is that correct? Yes, exactly. I mean, we have different players that are in the national team that they don't live in Milan. They live in a, maybe in a good club, in a regional club, because if you want to be, for my part, a good player, you have some step to do. Maybe you can start from your club, then you can move in a regional club and do some experience, sport, better training with better coaches or players. And then do, of course, international tournament to see the level, to grow, to see how it is the level. And then, of course, they can connect you with the national team. So you sometimes you can go and practice in the national team and then maybe one day you can enter in this movement in international team. So yes, we have two, three different players that they don't live in the national center and they live in their room and they train there. But the most players, they live in, uh, in Milan, in the national center, yes. Okay, so you kind of just touched on a bit of an unconventional way of, of these players you know, going to club and then regional clubs and then participating or competing in international tournaments and then being noticed by the national squad. And then there's your sort of unconventional pathway of being sort of very young and entering the national team. But in terms of the normal or conventional pathway for players to get into the national squad, how is that normal pathway? You mean from the school? Yeah, from a young age. So say, for example, similar to you at sort of the 10 to 15 years of age, how do they get identified and brought into the national system? Yeah, normally our coaches or head coach or technical director move to the other country in Italy to see if we had some, like they do when I was 10 years old, they go in other city to see if we had some other talent that they can be someone for Italy one day. So yes, but they stay in, in their club and they training there. And then maybe sometimes they do some sacrifice and move in this regional center, but you cannot pass directly to, to the national center. You have to move and grow alone or in this club. And then maybe one day, if the national center decide that you are good enough to play in, in Milan with us, then they call you. So you're saying that you are studying. So what are you studying in university? I study in Rome, but of course online because I live in Milan. And um, I study economy and management at the university. Yes, it's not easy to put the study between training. And when you, of course, when you are tired and you go home the night and you want only to rest and put in the bed, see some movie or some series. This is really hard, but I think that school and studying, it's really important. And uh, I decided to invest in a, this really good university that this is in Rome. And uh, it's also a sacrifice because when I have to do the exam, of course, not in this period because of the COVID, but when I have to do exam, I have to move in Rome by train. So 
maybe one day in the morning, I have to take the train really early at 6 a.m. and I have to go there and uh, do the exam and then go back to Milan and then have training again. So, yes, I have to study, go there in Rome, do the exam. So, and this is, of course, during the tournament also. Yeah. So, it's really difficult to put the exam during your career. Yeah, definitely. Are many of the other national athletes doing that as well? Are they working or studying or are they mainly just playing badminton? The older one, of course, the younger one is still going to school, but the older ones. Yes, someone of the other players, they do also university, but they do online. So it's different from mine because I have to do, I have to go there, but the other have to do only online. It's uh, a university online. Telematic, you say telematic? Not usually, not usually. We'll just say distance education is probably what, what we would call it, online education. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of like if you're managing both playing at the National Center as well as going to Rome for university, are you doing that full-time yeah. as well or are you doing that in a part-time manner? You mean the university? Yeah. Yes, the university is from September until December. That This is the first part of the, the season. And then from February until June. And then maybe during the... Um, the summer you can prepare the exam for September or during the um, in January you can prepare the exam for February so yes it's all the year but nobody nobody had a work so we play badminton but we don't work we are in the military I'm in the Air Force in Italy so I can get maybe a salary so I can have some money for me for living my life so this is our work our work is badminton to play every day and training every day. Yeah. So for the Air Force, do you need to do the training for the Air Force as well? No, it's like a club that I play for them. All my results, especially in Italy, of course, and also the Italian National Championship. If I won a gold medal, a silver medal, it's for them. So they recognize my medal. That's good that you get some money coming in because, of course, it's difficult otherwise, right? And speaking of difficulties and sacrifices that you've made, Fabio, on your journey so far, you're still a very young man, 22 years old, but your, your sacrifices started 10 years ago or more when you decided to move when you were 12 years old. And, of course, you are having the sacrifice and all of the other things involved in traveling to, to university, doing your exams and doing all of these extra things. What other sacrifices have you had to make to get to where you are right now? Oh, of course, the one with, that we said before, the one that I leave from home at 12 years old, the university. And of course, sometimes I had to say no to my family to go with them in, uh, in holiday and spend some time with them because I had to do maybe some tournament or I have to prepare some tournament. So this one is also a sacrifice because I cannot, see my family often. I can see them only this period during summer, maybe one, two weeks, and then in, in December. So I cannot see them really often. And sometimes also during summer, I cannot see them because maybe I can, I have some stage, some camp in Asia. So they took me one month or two months and then tournament start in August. So I cannot see them. And this is a sacrifice 
because I have also a little sister, five years old. So it's difficult also for me to see her on every time on FaceTime. And uh, it's also not a sacrifice, but it's really hard for the mind to, especially when I was doing the Olympic qualification, to travel every week. So I had to go maybe in Brazil, then from Brazil in Australia, in Adelaide, to play a tournament, and then again in Europe, then again in Africa every week, because Olympic qualification is really, you enjoy it, but it's really hard to do it, especially if you are in a small country like Italy, that we are not Denmark, we are not China, and we are not like this, you know? And so we have to get some point away from our home. And it's really hard for the mind to take a plane 10 hours, then you have to take the bus, then you have to play, and then again, go back 10 hours by plane. And then the next week again, 12 hours for Australia. And also this one is a little bit of a sacrifice because every week you have to travel and for the mind, you have to be focused every time. And it's not easy. So yes, I really enjoy every trip. But sometimes it's really hard, of course. Yeah, I can imagine it'd be incredibly challenging to have to have to deal with so many things and sacrifice as well as commit. I suppose the, the other point there, that commitment that you have is, it can be very tiring, unfortunately. But I guess with all those sacrifices and, and all that commitment, why is all of that worth it for you, Fabio? Because... As I said before in the first part of the podcast, I really love badminton since I start. And I do this big sacrifice to move away from my family at the young age. So when I'm tired or when I say, oh, now again, I have maybe I have to do multi-shuttle again or I'm really tired, I think this big sacrifice that I did and I said, okay, now I have to continue to reach my goals and reach my best results. So this is my big motivation that I leave my family. I cannot see them every day, cannot do a, I mean, normal life like my friends do every day. So go out, go every day to the beach or somewhere else. But yes, that's it. So talking about goals, Fabio, I know we've spoken about the Olympics and that being a goal and maybe Paris 2024 being a goal for you. But in terms of your ultimate goal, if you were going to say, okay, this is my goal for my badminton career, the thing that keeps me motivated, it gives me the reason why I'm making all of these sacrifices, what would you say that ultimate big goal is for you? Uh, as you said before, my biggest goal is Olympic, of course. I tried Tokyo, but for me it was really early because I started the Olympic qualification at the age of 19. And I was really young. Then, of course, the COVID didn't help me to reach this goal, but was not easy because many things, of course, you have to, to have a good level, but sometimes you have to be also, also lucky in the draw. And I'm not every time lucky because this year a lot of Chinese players, Chinese Taipei, India, they played also the small tournament, so it was really hard. But of course, my biggest goal is Paris and uh, not qualified as the last one in the but qualified as i don't want to say easy but i want to be in the in a good part of the qualifier so this one is the biggest goal then i want to reach as soon as possible uh broke the wall of the top 100 
So I want to enter in this big step. And yeah, from there to grow up as soon as possible. I want to be, my goal is to be the number 30 in the world. So yes, this is my goal. Those are very fantastic goals to have, Fabio. And we wish you the best on that journey and hope that you'll be able to achieve that and more. And hopefully comfortably, comfortably get your way into the middle of the uh, Olympic selection in, in 2024. Now, for those that are listening, Fabio, we said this a few times, you're in Italy. Badminton's not very popular there. And perhaps there are some Italians listening to this podcast. And they might be badminton players as well who look up to you as a role model or, or see you as a role model. So what advice would you have for these young Italian players in terms of badminton and, and achieving their own goals, which may not be the same as yours, but in terms of their own badminton goals? What I can suggest to them is, of course, do sacrifice, first of all, because if you don't do sacrifice for what you love or what you want, you cannot reach your goal and enjoy what you do. So playing badminton, doing training every day, enjoying and be fun about what you do. And then uh, be humble, of course. You have to be to be humble every day and don't think, oh, I'm the best in Italy or I'm the best in under 13 or under 15 or here. Or I won against him. So one thing that for me is really important to be humble and be a good guy every time. And yes, that's it. This three big words I can suggest to, to the other one. Definitely. And we can definitely see how humble, Fabio, you are to offer that information and to share out your badminton story openly with everyone, which is a very interesting one because we haven't heard many Italian badminton stories as to how Italian badminton players move through the systems from beginner to junior and how they can transition into the national program and then make it into the international ranks like you have. So I back Henry up and say, we wish you all the very best. I personally know how hard the Olympic campaign is. I started my, I only tried one and that was the 2008 Beijing. And I started when I was 18 and it was a very big learning process. So I know what you're going through, but there's nothing I would give. I would not change a thing for it. I didn't make it. I didn't make it into the Olympics, but there's nothing I wouldn't change because of all the people that you meet. You go to every country and you can call upon someone and stay at their house or join their training. So it's, it's really a community that you were so lucky to be a part of. So yeah, this is the beauty of the sport. Mm. Yeah. It's really nice. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm agree with you. Okay. So Fabio, we have taken up quite a lot of your time already. So we just want to say thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and sharing everything with us. The, the last thing I'm going to ask you is if there's any way anyone can either get in contact with you or follow your progress. So they might want to see how you're doing. Is there a way that they can keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, they can follow me on my social media. I put every day yeah, my story, my training, of course, my results. And they can follow me on tournament software where they can see my results during my tournament. And I hope to have a good results. So yes, that's it. Sure. So is Instagram the best one? Yes, Instagram is the best one. Then also Facebook. In Instagram, my name is Fabio, then underscore, and then Caponio. And then on Facebook, Fabio Caponio. And then, yes, I use these two more. I don't have Twitter, but Instagram is the, um, is the first one, yes. 
Great. So we will pop that into the podcast description for those listeners as well. And once again, thank you, Fabio, for coming onto this podcast from Jeff, myself, and the badminton listeners out there. It's been a pleasure. We've learned so much and we really enjoyed our chat today. So thanks again. Thank you to you guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Fabio. Thanks, Fabio. See you. Bye-bye. So from Henry and I at the Badminton Podcast, thanks for tuning in to this episode. If you've enjoyed it or found it useful, be sure to share it with your family, friends, teammates, and someone outside your badminton circle too, because with your help, we can show the world how incredible badminton is. To keep up to date with new episodes and who we're interviewing next, make sure you connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at The Badminton Podcast and on Twitter at The Badminton Pod. Feel free to contact us and ask any questions, give us feedback or request topics for future episodes. We love hearing from you. And remember to check out and shop for your simple and minimalist badminton gear at volantwear.com. Catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.